business. I got my wild cherry diet Pepsi, and uh, I got my blackjack gum here, and I got that feeling. Mm. Yeah, that familiar feeling that something rank is going down out there. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you, I make you laugh, I'm here to fucking amuse you. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Get together, have a few laughs. you? As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. You ever seen a grown man naked? Anybody move, I'll blow your fucking head off. And the medic gets out and says, Oh my god. I'm your huckleberry. My advice to you is to start drinking heavily. Put that coffee down. Rolling this calls for the old Billy Baru. That's a huge bitch! The royal penis is clean, your highness. Hey, where are the white women at? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's over, Johnny. It's over! fucking 80s song or what man jesus yes. <laughs> what do you do you like that one anthony yes i was jamming out were you really yes i was headbanging and all oh headbanging to that yeah that was this was yes, like it's friday you know friday yes this this is this was like pre-headbanging days uh probably 
Because when did Spaceballs come out around, what, 82, 83? Spaceballs, 1987. Wow. That's right. Obviously, if you haven't figured it out, we are doing Spaceballs tonight. Uh, I can't... I can't say enough about how funny this movie is. All Mel Brooks movies, to be honest with you, are funny. Um, you know, you got Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, History of the World Part 1. Um, Jesus, I'm missing some. High Anxiety. What else am I? I'm missing a few, but this this is up there. In uh, in my top three, definitely. So, uh, would you put uh, Mr. Brooks in that uh, upper echelon of great directors all time? Because I put, I personally put a. Uh, I, I haven't really thought about it too much, but if I mm. want to make a list of like a top, you know, five best directors of all time, I would put Scorsese in there definitely. Oh yeah, definitely. Like, definitely. That definitely. He matter of fact, he'd be top top one or two, mm-hmm. one or two easily. But uh, where would you put Mel Brooks on your personal list? I'd probably put him up there in top ten somewhere. Um, just be maybe even top five, for the simple fact that you can name pretty much most of his movies, and people know like the top few uh you know your blazing saddles oh yeah your history of the world part ones your space balls uh most people know the producers believe it or not uh what was another one like like i said high anxiety is not really up there as one of the high ones but uh it's a great one young frankenstein yeah i just pulled up his uh is a stats here, and yeah, let me see. Yeah, yeah, and supposedly he's got uh, Blazing Samurai filming right now, coming out in 2018, and oh, another one uh, we missed. What? I don't know if you're a fan of it, but I was a fan of it growing up. Dracula, dead and loving it. Ah, I, I, yes. I'm a Leslie Nielsen mark, folks. No, Forget I remember it. that one. The Little Rascals. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Robin gotta... Hood, Men in Tights. Wow. You got to remember how, oh yeah, oh yeah, you got to remember how old this man is. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, 90, Yeah, so God bless him. Yeah, if he can get, an, I mean, there were rumors of another Spaceballs coming out. Yeah. If that's true, holy shit, will I be a fucking happy man. Uh, yeah, I'll give it a chance if he's involved. If he's involved. Well, that's he's key. the one that announced that he wants to do another one. Ah, it's kind of weird, but eh. No, not weird. That is amazing. If this man can get another fucking Spaceballs, I will fucking love it. Yeah. Fucking You think, you think he can get, like, uh, most of the original? I mean, obviously, John Candy, rest in peace. But Rick Moranis has pretty much been uh, AWOL. Yeah, but, I mean, he, you know, that's... He could get... I mean, Bill Pullman's still around. Uh, Daphne is still around. Dick Van Patten's not. Uh, George Weiner, who played Colonel Sanders. Uh, by the way, he's one of the two NYPD references in here. George Weiner has been an NYPD blue. Uh, just so you know. Thought I'd mention that. Yes. And uh, the other guy that was an NYPD blue was Sal. Oh, Jesus. 
Viscuzo. I'm going to go with Sal Viscuzo. He was one of the radio operators, but uh, Colonel Sanders was in the movie for a very long time, so that's probably the most uh, notable NYPD Blue reference there. So there you go. Movie tied in. We only have two. Only two have stumped me so far. Hey, one is all we need per show. If we can get one NYPD Blue reference per episode, it's a good good day. It's a good show. I could probably go back and look at uh, Rocky Horror a little closer, maybe find one. I didn't look that close. I just looked at the main cast. But uh, <laughs> Now, know. real quick, Box. Yeah. How much would you mark the fuck out if they came out with an NYPD Blue movie? Would you actually pay to see that in theaters? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you you wouldn't even go. You would actually say they these motherfuckers earned my money. I'm not even going to download it. <laughs> oh, shit, dude. Absolutely. Absolutely, I I would go there. I would buy the DVD. I definitely would, man. You know they could. All the actors are still alive from the last season. I mean, you know the day who's his name Zach Morris is still alive. Whatever his yeah, yeah, Mark Park Osley. I think he's actually he's actually pretty good. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Andy Sipowitz is still alive. You know the guy who played Sipowitz, who's um. Jesus Christ, Dennis Franz. Dennis Franz. Dennis Franz is still alive. Uh, Charlotte Ross, definitely still hot and alive. Yeah, I'm you actually know? surprised. As long as that show was on, I'm actually surprised they never did like a reunion special or a movie. That show was on a long ass fucking time. The only weird TV show they did was uh, NYPD Blue Mounted Unit. It was a one. That's a random. I have no idea. It was a one shot. T- I'll tell you the truth. I can't even find it. Like, I can't even find it. Well, I might. I think I. You know what? My fiance said that uh, she got Amazon Prime. I think it was on Amazon Prime. So I might need to search it out and watch it. Was it like one season or one episode? One episode, TV movie. But I want it. And I can't find it to, like, own it. And I'm pissed. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Can't find it to own it. So that's the only weird thing. But it had Sipowitz in it and a couple other people. But obviously the mounted unit was the, you know, uh, uh, the horse. Horses mounted unit. So, yeah. Never got to see that, though. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Been looking for it. If anyone by any chance has it, let me know. Yes. Let me we know. have a smart, intelligent chat room, so I'm pretty sure somebody can find it if they really, really try Well, I've really, really tried myself. So, we'll just, you know, we'll see. But, we're not here to talk cop shows. One night, we will indulge myself in cop shows. Uh, and that will be a long night. Yes. <laughs> you might break a record with that episode because there's yeah. a lot to talk about with cop shows. There and movies are. and just cops in general. And I know a lot about cop shows. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely go through that one one night. But we are here to talk space balls. Um, a science fiction comedy by Mel Brooks. Uh, basically more than a science fiction comedy. It's actually a Star Wars parody. Yes. Uh, definitely a Star Wars parody. As a matter of fact, uh, in some of the trivia, one of them, real quick, I know I usually do it at the end, but 
One of them is that uh, he did get uh, his blessing from both um, from George Lucas to do this this film. He could parody anything in his movie, except there was only one condition: no merchandise could be produced from the film. So we'll get back into that little uh, little fact later. But uh, he did get a George Lucas, you know, pr- uh, you know, okay on this movie. So he had his blessing and the green light to do it, which, you know, I don't think it would have mattered if he did or didn't. This movie would have gone through anyway. Uh, yeah, but it, I can, you know, it, it says something about the quality of man on Mel Brooks was mm-hmm. just even reach out and say, you know what, it, it's all done in fun. I'm not trying to, you know, shit on, you know, your work over there. It's just like done. In, it's tongue in cheek. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, you watch the movie, no, no serious shots were taken at the uh, Star Wars franchise. Not really, not really. Um, some of the main characters in this movie, we got Mel Brooks, we've got John Candy, uh, Rick Moranis, Bill Pullman, Daphne Zuniga, Dick Van Patten, George Weiner, Michael Winslow, uh, Joan Rivers, yep. John Hurt even plays a scene in this movie. Jim J. Bullock, uh, big cast in this movie, really, but uh, that's pretty much the main cast in this movie. So, you know, those are the main people we're going to be talking about mostly. Uh, Movie starts off, you know, again, it's a Star Wars parody, so if you're looking for an excellent, you know, holy shit, this is going to be a fucking... The movie, movie of the year. No, 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 no. Remember, this is a 1987 movie. It didn't do extremely well in theaters at the time. It only made about six million in the theaters at the time. Believe it or not. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. The budget for Spaceballs was an estimated 22.7 million, which actually. <clears throat> this movie turned out to be Mel Brooks' most expensive movie to make. Uh, the film grossed thirty-eight thousand, uh, th- th- roughly thirty-eight. Uh, I'm sorry, roughly thirty-eight million during its U.S. run, taking in about six million in its opening weekend, finishing behind Dragnet, which at the time Dragnet was still a pretty popular series. So you know that was Tom Hanks and. Someone else, I completely forgot who started that. Uh, well, it, I think it was Dan Aykroyd. Ah, there you go. Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd. I'm Dan Aykroyd fans, so that's fine. Um, but, you know, that that obviously is not including the fact that this film basically became another cult hit for Mel Brooks. Um, Mel Brooks movies have become their own little cult-type hits in their own right. I guess you could say. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they're just very... Look, they're all parodies. They're all funny. And Mel Brooks just doesn't take anything seriously. And his movies are just so fucking great. Uh, This is another one I could just play the whole movie and we could laugh the whole time at it. Yeah, we'll Uh, probably be doing that tonight because it's a lot of clips in this movie. There is, man, from, I mean, the beginning. Rick Moranis, 
Uh, I, love, I, love, I don't know about you. I love that fucking guy. Yeah. Uh, Mel Brooks plays uh, President Scroob slash Yogurt. He plays two things in this movie. Yogurt, obviously a take on Yo uh, Yoda. Uh, President Scroob, if you haven't figured, figured it out, Scroob is an anagram of Brooks, his last name. Uh, John Candy as Barf, the half-dog, half-man. He's his own best friend. Uh, Rick Moranis plays Dark Helmet. Obviously, that's a big uh, parody of um, uh, Darth Vader. Bill Pullman as Lone Star. You can keep, you know, kind of go from here. Daphne Zuniga, Zuniga plays Princess Vespa. You see where I'm going. But, uh, you know, just absolutely one of the, you know, the 80s were known for comedies. It really, really was. All through the 80s were known for a lot of the comedies. Even the the, the coming-of-age comedies. You've mentioned Porky's a hundred times on this show. Um, you and know, I will continue to mention it. It, ab- was, it was funny. Absolutely. Porky's, Meatballs. Um, you know, Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club. And all of the, you know, a lot of the John Hughes movies we've discussed before on the show were in the 80s. Obvious comedies. 80s were really a good time for comedies. 90s, they started getting a little politically correct. Obviously, now to do a comedy, you have to... Really, you have to be fucking insane to do a fucking comedy now. (laughs) I mean, people have no fucking sense of humor anymore. You know. I wouldn't even say politically correct because they're politically correct now, but I would say in the 90s, they went for more shock value and less substance. Well, I mean, the 90s, you had your, you know, your friends, your Seinfelds, which were more of the observational type comedy shows, whereas yeah. the 80s, you had your... You still had the slapstick, fall down, titty type comedies. You know what I mean? You did, but I would say more so in the eighties, everything wanted to teach you something. I think the eighties, every everything had a message. I mean, come on, like you know, the joke was like with a show like Different Strokes. Mm-hmm. Every, every two or three episodes was a special episode. On a very special episode of a di- uh, of different strokes, you know Arnold gets kidnapped or Arnold gets molested in a, a bicycle shop or whatever the fucking case. Everything was trying to teach you something, and I think the nineties kind of t- took that concept and said, "No, fuck that. Why? We're just going to make you laugh." Why is it going like, to uh, like you saw the American Pie uh, series in the nineties, right? Oh, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. And, classic. Yeah. I mean, did those, would you say those movies really wanted to teach anything? Did they have no. any kind of overarching message? No. And I really, honestly, 100% appreciate the comedies that have no teachings in it at all. I really like a turn your brain off and laugh fucking get stoned, get drunk, laugh your ass off type movie. You know, now, this movie... Fits that criteria to a T. Definitely fits this criteria. Uh, you know, I, I can think of a bunch of movies that do. Airplane. Airplane. Oh, oh fuck. Naked Gun. 
and Naked Gun, uh, both airplanes, by the way. I'm I'm not going to fucking judge. Both of them are funny in their own right. All the Naked Guns funny in their own right. Uh, you know, Hot Shots. Both of the fucking Hot Shots movies still funny. Uh, you mentioned Robin Hood Men in Tights earlier. Funny as hell. Cold so, Hands is another one I love. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, even the... Um, you could probably throw the Austin Powers movies in there, too. They're goofy, yeah. stupid movies. Their messages are so stupid, it doesn't even matter. Yeah, speaking of Mike Myers, we can't mention Mike Myers without talking about Wayne's World a little bit. Oh, yeah, the Wayne's I, World. I, man, like, those movies are fucking up. You talk about turning your brain off, but at the same time, how many catchphrases did that movie produce? Did those characters produce over the years? Dude, you gotta realize, they were, like, forced to do a second one of those. They yeah, didn't shit, they had to. to. Like, yeah. It, merchandising alone forced them to do a second one. They didn't want to, really. They yeah, had to. Yeah, yeah, well, once the money, once the money started calling, he's like, yeah, let's, let, let, let's milk this thing a little bit. And, and I, I honestly think about it, and I like how they, they stopped this second one, and people still look back on those, both of them, finally. They didn't run the concept into the ground to the point where if they wanted to bring it back, you know, for like a, a one-time special type of deal, I think it would do some business. Oh, if you you could bring that back today. You know why? The comedy was never too raunchy. Uh, it, it's basically... It was, it was more implied. It, it, it was innuendo dick jokes. You know, I mean, you know, swing... You know, and all that stuff, and you know, it, I I would uh, truthfully, I would pay to see a fucking new Wayne's World right now. Dana Carvey is still fucking got it, and Mike Myers, goddamn, you know those. What was the name? Tia Carrera. Uh, Tia Carrera. Thank you. Like the Porsche. Yeah, she was, oh my gosh, she was gorgeous. She still looks good. And you know what? If you can't use her, just call Chrissy Teigen. <laughs> they're, they're, they're kind of interchangeable. Direct your card and letters to Boxman for that uh, little <laughs> statement there. Oh, shit. She really, dude, Chrissy Teigen, tell me she is not a fucking updated fucking Tia Carrera. Come on. <laughs> That's all she is. She's an updated Tia Carrera. <laughs> all right, whatever. All right, I'm sorry. I, I'm, no, I actually have to look at them side by side. Go ahead. You got your computer. While I'm, while, while we start talking about the beginning of this movie, um, we can you can go ahead and look them up side by side. Uh, just keep your pants zippered or pulled up, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Uh, again, this is a Star Wars parody. This movie starts off with the Star Wars type writing, you know, in a galaxy very, 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 very far away. Uh, I am not going to read the whole thing, but, uh, you know, it, it jokes about it, giving you a thing on, you know, how Spaceballs began, the evil leaders of the planet, blah, blah. But the uh, movie, movie begins like that, like Star Wars does. Uh, we then cut to an another scene. Literally, this scene is about a minute and a half of how long this ship is. 
if you're not already sitting there laughing at this scene, seriously, go fuck yourself. Uh, yeah, that was that was one of those scenes where I pre- right off the bat I appreciated this movie because I'm not a Star Wars fan, but the beauty of Spaceballs is you don't have to be. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to be. Just watch this movie for what it is—a funny fucking comedy. Um, and you know they finally get to the end of the ship, and it, uh, you know, big bumper sticker on the bra- on the back: "We break for nobody." Um, then you know they show that um, Dark Helmet is coming to the bridge. I guess we can call it the bridge, right? Yeah, bridge is over. The bridge is over. Yes. All right, all right. we'll call it the bridge. And, you know, they're all scared. Again, they're all, you know, scared of Dark Helmet. He's, again, this Darth Vader-type character. Uh, Just, you know, here. Just fuck it. He walks in and you get the music. Here, hold on. What am I doing here? Here we go. Now, before I go any further, if you look at the outfit he's wearing, it is an obvious parody of uh, Darth Vader, except he has a cock and balls on his chest. So, you know, if you didn't notice that before, cock and balls. Approaching Planet Druidia, sir. Okay, there was that again. Just you know, Rick, Rick Moranis. Um, we've we've talked a little bit about Rick Moranis before. Obviously, ended up in the Honey I Shrunk the Kids series. Love him. Love this man. But I mean, he's been in a ton of movies. Honestly, one of my favorite movies by him is a little-known, kind of obscure movie called Streets of Fire. You don't know that one at all, do you? Uh, sounds familiar. It has uh, the girl Mercy from the Warriors, which we've done before. Check that out in the archives on iTunes. Uh, and it has Michael, I don't know, uh, Pere, Pere, I don't know how you say his name, the guy from Eddie and the Cruisers. Uh-huh. Willem Dafoe is in it. Uh, it's... It's kind of it, they they call it a rock and roll fable. It's it's sort of a fifties gang type movie. Uh huh. But it's I, I wouldn't call it a parody. But it's kind of like a, a, a movie about fifties gangs. Pretty badass movie, man. You know, yeah. it, it's it's definitely a fantasy movie. But it's pretty badass. If you never, uh, let me see. When when was Streets of Fire made? Came out June first, nineteen eighty four. Wow. And uh, it, apparently, it looks like it was a money loser. It was made on a budget of fourteen point five, and it only made eight point one. Yes. Probably why we haven't heard much about it. It 
it it, it probably it, I would say it was a money loser. Obviously, well, I'm not gonna obviously it was like I said an obscure movie, but I really like this movie. Um, you know, she gets it's basically about a girl, Diane Lane. Do you know who Diane Lane is? Yes. I've been in a ton of movies. Uh, one of her first movies was The Outsiders. Yeah. With, uh, we've talked about, yeah, we've talked about The the Outsiders. She played Cherry in The Outsiders. I've uh, been in tons of movies since, but, you know. She's in The Godfather. <laughs> uh, yep, yep. She's in this movie, but uh, just a fucking, you know, uh, Diane Lane gets kidnapped. And Michael Pyre goes and tries to get her. He, she's he's hired by Rick Moranis. Another movie, really, you should go check out. It's it's one I will eventually make Anthony watch. Yeah, I'm up for anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will make you watch that. We will definitely review that one night. My friend Joe, that's been in the chat room with us a few times. Is who turned me on to that movie, and uh, ever since I watched, I thought it was great. First of all, I like the guy from Eddie and the Cruisers. I think the Eddie and the Cruisers movies both are excellent. Two more movies if you haven't seen Eddie and the Cruisers and Eddie and the Cruisers Two. Eddie lives. Go see them. Find a way. I know uh, Netflix had them for a while, and I know Hulu has them both. Mm-hmm. Nice. See, I, I honestly, you know, not to go off on a tangent, I think that's the next evolution of uh, Netflix and Hulu. They need to have, like, an obscure movie section. They really do. Because, I mean, yeah. you figure you already got people's money, so how much could some of these movies, uh, how much could the rights to some of these movies honestly cost? Probably not that much, but, you know, an obscure movie to, to me is a classic to another person. You know what I mean? So, you know, hard to say what's obscure and what's not. Obviously, some of these money-losing movies are obscure-type movies, but... You know the definition of an obscure movie for me? Mm Mm-hmm. This is, you know, dating myself a little bit, but remember, like, when you used to go to, like, the uh, supermarkets and they'd have, like, the little video section? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you see, like, the two ninety nine movies or two ninety nine movies... And, and typically, if you go in those sections, it's, it's filled with movies that nobody fucking wants. And that's how I saw a lot of movies over the years. Just going pilfering through those sections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I've i seen a few. And yeah, I mean, but you know, again, there's someone out there who's like, No, fuck that. that movie's one of the best in the goddamn world. Somebody. Yeah, one man, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Exactly, exactly. Um, you know. So anyway, back to spaceballs. We will definitely go obscure one night, but uh, back to spaceballs here. There uh, now. Remember, we're parroting Star Wars here, so they don't have the Force; they have the Schwartz. And they're all scared of, um, oh, excuse me. They're all scared of Dark Helmet because he has the Schwartz. And he loves grabbing people by the balls with it. 
Oh, is is that Tommy out here? What is all this ball talk tonight? <laughs> I'm a fucking guy, uh, <laughs> and that that's that's the reason they're all fucking scared. They're all covering their nuts uh, again. 1987, some of the special effects in this movie really, really good. Um, you know, for 1987. But, uh, you know, he, he does end up getting one guy, and Colonel Sanders is just looking away. He can't look at it. Too painful for him. Uh, you know, but, uh, yeah, we are going to be definitely playing a lot of clips to this movie. Tonight, um, yeah, box. I mean, you know, uh, you were obviously around in the eighties, and I was still a kid back then. Uh, did you actually see this in the movies, or did you uh, see it on VHS later? Um, to be honest, no, I did not see this in the movies. I did not see this movie until I was about fifteen years old. My sister's friends, uh, she's two years older than me. Uh huh. So my sister's friends introduced me to a lot of different things. Ah, uh, cigarettes, camel, camel cigarettes was one of them. Um, camel toes was next. A camel toes, uh-huh. uh, weed. At fifteen years old, weed they introduced me to. Ah, your sister. Um, you you had a cool sister and some. I had she had some cool friends. Her friends were cool. Uh, what uh, Mel Brooks movies? All of them they watched. They watched all of them, and they introduced me to some really, real. These movies to them were, were fucking like Spaceballs and History of the World Part One. To them, were the best comedies ever made. So basically, uh, even during that time period, like Mel Brooks was on a pedestal to people. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. So you know, I was Cause I, you know, because I only asked you because you know, all jokes aside, I'm always curious and fascinated about how people become like you know, like how movies become like these cult classics. Because in a lot of cases, they're not appreciated in the time that they're made or that they come out. It takes like it takes a uh, looking back on it in hindsight. Oh, that wasn't so bad after all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These movies were and. um they introduced me to a lot of really good music that I just hadn't uh, had got into. You know, the Zeppelin, ACDC. And I was still into the 80s stuff, you know, back when I was 15. But they introduced me to a lot of real old stuff that I became really fucking, like, in love with. You know, so. Yeah, good taste in music. Yep. yep. Good ear. Yeah, yeah. This was back in North Carolina. I still remember most of their names. There was a guy named David Kirk, Russ, uh, Ross, both Russ and Ross. There was Evan. There was a guy named Akers. Yes, Akers. Uh, You know, they all introduced me to some of the coolest stuff that still today, (laughs) still today, I... uh, I still kind of hold uh, hold dear to my heart. Yeah, you know, 15, cool, man. fifteen is kind of that age where you, you know, b- b- they say between fourteen and seventeen is where your real music and movie taste and things like that come into play. So, 
you know, movies like like Airplane, like all these Mel Brooks movies, they were shown to me by these guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much similar to my story because it's like I always had like an old soul. And even as a kid, I, I just was always drawn to like dialogue in movies and movies mm-hmm. that had like, I don't know, you know, you ever watch a movie and it just makes you feel something. You don't even know why you feel a certain way, but it mm-hmm. just makes you feel good watching it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and that's and, and you know you figure out why eventually. Trust me, you you do figure out. You're like, oh shit, I watched this movie when I was this age, and now I remember this happened on that day. And yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, these movies, Mel Brooks movies, and there's a few more that we'll go through. You know, even the Eddie and the Cruisers were two movies that they they love. The one movie they loved, the second one came out a little later, but. Yeah. You know, they watched those. Uh, she had two friends that were... Did you ever see the movie Summer School? Oh, yeah. It's been a while, but yeah. All right, you remember Chainsaw and his buddy in that movie? Yes, yes. My, my sister had two friends who were just like those two guys. Into horror, did all kinds of... Of, uh, like, you know, all kinds of special effects and shit. They totally reminded me of those two guys. Nice. Yep. Yep. They, they, you know, they would use flash paper and shit, which to me, you know, was awesome. That's kind of what got me going into the magic store was looking for flash paper. I was kind of a pyro as a kid. Nice. Who is Now, uh, out of all of these friends, did you have like a, um, you know, we're, we're going to get back to the movie, folks, but I'm actually interested by this little uh, conversation that me and Box are having right now. <laughs> Did you have like a Bill Murray type? And when I say Bill Murray type, did you you remember Bill Murray's character in Meep, the original Meatballs? Mm-hmm. Did you have uh, one of those type of buddies in the group? Like the older guy that was kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, like, like 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 he was like cool, like he was like he was older than everybody else, but he was still hip enough to like relate to uh guys that were like a couple years younger than him. Not really. We, not really. So there were no Bill Murray types. There because Bill Murray, no. even now, like he, you know, he's always been like a pretty cool cat, like always pretty much staying up with the times. Yeah, yeah. He well, th- there was a time he went through sort of a dickish era. If he had like five years, people were like, "Oh, he's just being a dick." Yeah, if you pay, if you uh, if you kind of pay attention to like his uh, trajectory, he's always kind of played like the same type of sarcastic type of character. Oh yeah, I agree. I agree. Look, I'm a Bill Murray fan. Yeah, I, I, I'll never say a bad thing about Bill Murray. No. He's no. a fucking man to me. Yeah, I'll always be a Bill, Bill Murray fan. That man right there is absolutely amazing. Yep. Uh, just, uh, you know, to look at the man's pedigree of movies. And, and, like, you know, Saturday Night Live alone. Like, that man could have retired after those five years of SNL and been a legend. Dude, every one of those guys could have retired off of those years. Think about it. Every one of those guys became legends in the bi- in 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 the business, as they say, in, the, 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 uh, for those years of fucking Saturday Night Live. Every one of I, them. Yeah, and I look. I think Saturday Night they've been on what forty years now. They're in like fourth season forty eight or whatever. Something like if, that. If you really, if you really think about it, that is based off of ret- reputation. Mm-hmm. What they did in those fo- first five years is what has kept that show on this fucking long. If right. those first five years weren't what they were, that show would have been canceled 
The fuck, it, it would have been canceled ten to fifteen years ago. Yeah, exactly. exactly. If you really stop and think about it. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Probably would have been. Um, all right, let's jump back into the movie here. This movie actually does have a quick uh, a plot to it. Uh, it's not just a, a, a complete Star Wars parody. Um, there's a two planets. Uh, there's Planet Spaceballs and there's Planet Druidia. Um, planet Druidia is kind of like uh, the the fancy planet of the Druids, and they're all fancy people. Uh, basically, the plot to the movie in in a nutshell is Planet Spaceballs President Scroob sends Lord uh, Dark Helmet to steal Planet Druidia's air. And in the mean, you know, in the meanwhile, they they kidnap uh, the princess, uh, Princess Vespa. Vespa's a scooter. I know everyone knows that because they finally came back out with them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, planet, uh, you know, Princess Vespa. And uh, you know, they do go try to get, get her back, and that's pretty much most of the movie. Um, so, you know, we don't have to get into the plot much. Now we're going to, I think we should get into more of the comedy of this yeah. movie to make it, uh, a good fun show. Yes, definitely. Now, yeah. uh, this movie obviously has a lot of sight gags, a lot of visual gags. When it comes to comedy, what do you prefer? Per- do you prefer like jokes or like visual gags, like airplane Naked Gun, those movies are obviously, you really have to kind of be watching them physically mm-hmm. to, to appreciate the humor of what you're watching, because a lot of it is visual humor. Those are more my comedies. I, I really do prefer those comedies. Like, this th- This to me falls in that category. Like, the so you like sight gags? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But there's a lot of funny, funny lines in this movie. Um, you know, I mean, she's going to get married and she's nervous. The, 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 the her, her husband's to be's name in this movie is Prince Valium. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, and obviously, you know, we've mentioned Dick Van Patten. That is, uh, her, when I say her, I mean, Princess Vespa, her father in the movie, that's Dick Van Patten. Um, you know, he's another one. I mean, if you don't remember eight is enough. Yeah, like, Jesus. You haven't been alive as long as I have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, you know, we joke about Box's age on the show, but you know what? It, you know, and I maybe I'm getting to that point, too. It's just, so, even if you don't watch certain things, you still should know. Mm-hmm. Like, when somebody says the Honeymooners, you should fucking know what the Honeymooners is. Yeah. Or I Love Lucy or fucking uh, All in the Family. Even if you never really watched them, these, oh, yeah. these are like institutions. Yeah, and Eight is Enough might not be the most, you know, known show, but uh, that's what Dick Van Patten was most known for. And his son right now actually does the uh, World Poker Tour. Ah. He's the commentator on WPT with Mike Sexton. Uh, Mike Saxton, sorry. Um, so his son is uh, does pretty good and still is. Uh, that show is still going strong. That show is in, like, season 12 right now, so. Yeah. So, you know, but, uh, you know, the the, the wedding doesn't go through. She runs. And this is where we meet Lone Star and Barf, uh, John Candy. 
Now, you know, again, I'm kind of jumping back and forth between the trivia and, and, and like I, I don't usually do, but Rick Moranis actually suggested using John Candy for the role of Barf in this movie. Uh, they were originally going to put Barf in a complete mask. And Mel Brooks said, well, if I'm going to cover up the guy's face, I'll just get someone for half the price. You know, a, a, a business decision. So in the end, they decided the best thing to do is just, you know, basically get him a nose and, you know, just kind of a lower implant, well, not a lower mask. And uh, they just went with that, basically makeup and basically just makeup is all they went with and crazy hair yeah yeah i mean it's, i mean cause, i mean clearly <laughs> clearly it's a uh, giant candy <laughs> absolutely and you, you know can... and and you know back then to be making a business decision like that is you know pretty damn good you know yeah but i'm glad he made that move obviously mick rick moranis and a uh, giant candy came up on that uh what was it uh sctv mm-hmm. mark Dirt was on that too yeah yeah absolutely uh, and again, he plays Barf in this movie. John Candy, we've 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 talked about him so many times. Uh, now, these guys, Barf and uh, Lone Star, are kind of like mercenaries of space. I guess you 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 could call them. Yeah, they're mercenaries with bills. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they actually owe some people. Um, bad people. Pizza the Hut, which oh, is funny if you watch the new Pizza Hut commercials. They say no one can out Pizza the Hut, so it's kind of weird how they did that. I don't know. Maybe a space ball reference, balls reference, maybe not. But they are in trouble, and uh, you know what? Let me just play it. Lone yeah. Star. Sorry, wrong switch. <laughs> Hello, Vinny. What do you want? No, 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 no. It's not what I want. It's what he wants. (laughs) Pizza the Hut! Well, if it isn't Lone Star and his sidekick, Puke. That's Barf. Barf, Puke, whatever. Where's my money? Don't worry, Pizza. You'll have it by next week. (laughs) No, no. I gotta have it by tomorrow. A hundred? Now, we are literally watching a dripping pizza speak to Lone Star here. Yep, this is the perfect movie to watch. No, I'm not even a perfect movie. This is the perfect scene to watch while you're uh, inebriated. Or under the influence of a certain narcotic. Yeah, do not be eating pizza, though, because it'll actually make you a little fucking gaggy. It's kind of gross. Uh, he's literally... I mean, I'll be honest. I was watching this the other day. Like like I said, and I, I'm not squeamish. It's not mm-hmm. a scary scene. It's just like one of those scenes that make you go, ugh. He's dripping. Dripping. And then yeah. the end of that scene... Well, we'll, we'll hold on. We'll, yeah, hold on. A thousand space bucks? By tomorrow? A hundred thousand? Ha, ha, ha! No way! You forgot late charges, which brings it up to, uh, one million space bucks. A million? That's unfair. Unfair to the payor, but not to the payee. Ha, 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 ha. But you're gonna pay it, or else. 
<laughs> or else what? Tell him, Vinny. Or else pizza is gonna send out for you. <laughs> You're delicious, bro. Ciao, boys. <laughs> He's eating the pizza. The hut. Yeah, like I said, it's not like I said, it's not a scary scene. It's just like gross. Yeah, it really is. Um, you know, and you know, as they're doing this, we're trying to figure out a way to get this money, obviously. Uh, and as they're doing this, Princess Vespa is running from her wedding with her kind of protector friend robot, Dot, Dot Matrix is her name. The voice for that is obviously Joan Rivers. Um, here, we can hear a little Joan Rivers here. What? What is it? I was saying, do you realize what you've done? Yes, and I'm glad. All right, what she's done is ran from her wedding, and uh, this is when her father in this movie becomes worried and hires uh, Lone Star and Barf to go get her. But obviously, in the meantime, more plans are happening. Um... And we see President Scroob here at his desk talking uh, about, you know, some plans he has to go get to, to steal the air from Planet Spaceballs. And he's actually drinking, not drinking, but sucking up air, something called Perry Air. Oh, God. <gasps> this is, I mean, honestly, for not even being sarcastic. This is high-end comedy. You don't see this kind of subtlety in comedy anymore. You really don't. You don't. You don't. You really, unfortunate. unfortunately, you don't. Uh, Perrier Water would probably ask for a fucking huge fucking advertising thing for parrying their name, you know. But, uh, you know, I mean, this is definitely a, a, a future-type movie. You know, they have screens on the walls and everything. They can be interrupted everywhere. Uh, they even have. They, they're making a joke of transporting, where Mel Brooks transports and his 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 head is turned around. Yeah, so, they even made a joke. I mean, this is a little later in the movie, but fuck it, it's our show. We can jump ahead if we want. They actually made a joke about bootlegging. Uh huh. How hilarious was that scene? Yeah, they did. They they make a ton of. Uh, dude, there's so many fucking jokes in this movie. Um. Where else can we go with this? Yeah, he stopped. Obviously, you know, just... A, oh, so... <clears throat> God damn. They, uh... They, uh, I said Lone Star and Barf were hired to go rescue um, Prince Vespa. Now, Princess Vespa. Now, they make the deal for... To do that, but in order to do that... They obviously pay off their debt, so fuck it. I'm just going to play this real quick. You've got to help me. Please save my daughter. She's being attacked by space balls. Space balls? Forget it. Too dangerous. Besides, I'm already numero uno on Dark Helmet's hit list. Look, Your Highness, it's not that we're afraid. Far from it. It's just that we got this thing about death. It's not us. 
Please, you must. You're the only ones that can save her. I'll give you anything. Did you hear me? Anything. Anything? Yes, anything. Okay, we'll do it for a million. A million? Oh, you're starting to fade here. We're losing picture, your highness. All right, all right, I'll pay it. Only find her, save her. All right, King, you just made a deal. One princess for one million space bucks. What's she driving? A brand new white Mercedes 2001 SEL limited edition. Moon roof, all leather interior. I got it at a very good price. I paid cash. My cousin, Prince Murray, has a dealership in the valley. He was very nice to me. We get the idea. Where was she last seen? She was just passing Jupiter, too. We'll find her. Please, bring her back safely. And if it's at all possible, try to save the car. Of course, got to save the car. Uh, you know, real quick, we're going to take a fast break. I know uh, no one on the actual uh, downloads will hear this. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. I actually lost Anthony real quick, so be right back, guys. All right. We're back real quick. Sorry about that. Dropped Anthony for a sec, and I had to take a piss. But anyway, we are back on, and uh, we were talking Spaceballs. We're going to continue talking Spaceballs. They had just made their deal for a million space bucks, which is what they owe Pizza the Hut, to go get Princess Vespa. So, you know, finally they think they're in the clear. They got their money. Uh, Dark Helmet is already in the process of trying to take Princess Vespa, but uh, Lone Star and Barf interfere and uh, kind of beam her up. Now, they also do something in this. Again, we get Michael Winslow in this. I'm not sure if... Uh, a lot of you know who Michael Winslow is. Police Academy. Academy, yes. Yes. He's also known for vo voices. Yes. <laughs> um, Very good. I mean, and, and the guy is extremely talented. Now, again, another trivia, or a little did you know. According to Mel Brooks, they saved about $1,000 just using this guy because of the way he can do voices. Uh, let's go ahead and play his part because... It's hilarious, A, and B, remember, everything he's doing is no special effects. It's him. It's with his voice. Uh, it'll be a few seconds, but this is as close as I can it's get. This is where they actually jam the satellite, jam the radar. They actually use jam. You'll hear. Well, you don't need that private. We're right here. Now, what is it? Now, what is it? I'm having trouble with the radar, sir. What's wrong with it? I've lost the bleeps, I've lost the sweeps, and I've lost the creeps. The what? The what? And the what? You know, the bleeps. 
the sweeps, and the creeps. That's not all he's lost. Sir, the radar, sir. It appears to be jammed. Jammed. Raspberry. There's only one man who would dare give me the raspberry. Lone Star. Now, again, Rick Moranis' voice changes when he puts on the helmet. Um, you know, uh, that was, again, Rick Moranis' idea. Yeah. Uh, he, he really, obviously, was a very brilliant movie mind it's kind of sad he got out of the out of out of the business but uh yeah, you know if i remember correctly he i think his wife got sick with cancer or something that's the whole reason he left he didn't leave because he was like pissed mm-hmm. off at the industry or anything he loved to be with family yeah yeah i mean if you can't respect a guy for that go fuck yourself <laughs> pretty much but uh yeah they um you know so they jam the radar Barf and Lone Star do obviously end up saving Princess Vespa and Dot Matrix. And uh, this is kind of where the story, I would say, takes a little little turn. And this yeah. is where it gets a little thicker into it. But it also gets a little funnier here. Um, you know, the, 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 obviously... Princess Vespa and uh, Lone Star are from different worlds. And you know what? Let me just... Probably easier to play the part. Yeah. Now hear this. The minute we get out of here, the first thing we do is dump the match's luggage. Who is that? Now you hear this, whoever you are. You will not touch that luggage. And furthermore, I want this pigsty cleaned up. I will not be rescued in such filth. Listen, on the ship, I don't take orders, I give them. This is my dream boat, sweetheart. Sweetheart? Uh, How dare you speak to me that way? You will address me in the proper manner as your royal highness. I am Princess Vespa, daughter of Roland, king of the druids. Oh. That's all we needed. A Druish princess. Obviously making a joke about the Jewish princess. Oh, God. (laughs) It was funny, but you know how many, you know how much bitching and protest we would hear if a joke like that was uh, uttered today? Oh, Jesus. Absolutely. Christ. I mean, there'd be protests, there'd be fucking uh, change.org little uh, petitions going around. Fuck you. And by the way, fuck those uh, petitions and the people that signed them. There'd be crowdfunding for something. Um, Just the way it would fucking go. But, uh, you know, obviously she is a high-maintenance princess, uh, which, you know, she's a princess. That's probably what you expect out of any Druish princess. Yes, uh, Carrie Fisher would have been proud. (laughs) Absolutely. But, uh, you know, they they, they kind of go through and they do that. And obviously there's a little bit of a sexual tension between the two. But the line that uh, John Candy says right after he says the Druish prince... Here, hold on. <laughs> 
Druish princess. Funny. She doesn't look Druish. <laughs> All right. So at this point, they have the princess and they take off. Obviously, uh, another hilarious part where um, Dark Helmet is literally, he thinks they have her. And he's giving this long speech before he gets in the the, the car and takes her out of it. Um, and again, fuck it. Let's just do it. Now we will show her who is in charge of this galaxy. Hold it. I'll handle this personally. Yeah, Lord Helmet. So, Princess Vespa, you thought you could outwit the imperious forces of Planet Spaceball. Well, you were wrong. You are now our prisoner, and you will be held hostage until such time as all of the air is transferred from your planet to ours. She's not in there. Right when he says that, they all cover their nuts as to not get the Schwartz. Oh, God. This is... Oh, God, folks, where's... please. If you haven't seen it or if you haven't seen this in a while, please watch fucking Space. Uh, yeah, we're really not going to do this movie a lot of justice with how funny it is, but it is one of the most epic comedies of all time, and that's pretty much you know all I can say. Uh... You know, they do end up running from uh, Dark Helmet. They go into hyperspace and get away from him for a little while. Run out of gas. And um, end up in a desert. Yes. Um, and another part that obviously hilarious where um, Mother in the Desert... They do get found on radar by Dark Helmet, and he tells them to comb the desert, which brings us to the scene where they're actually combing the desert. Uh, yes, but, yes, yeah, I referenced this earlier. Yes, now before that, there is a scene where... Um, while they're through the desert, they're like, oh, my God, Dark Helmet's trying to find them. And Colonel Sanders actually goes and rents Spaceballs the movie in order to find them. That is yeah. how they find them. So they actually rent the movie. Just another hilarious, hilarious part in this fucking movie. But, yes. uh, you now, know. Uh, Box, so I guess real quick, mm -hmm. this, this actually ties into this particular scene. What over the years we've seen this not so much anymore, but what do you think about when movies kind of like break the fourth wall, so to speak? I don't and mind like, it. like they kind of like obviously they kind of like reference the audience. What do you think about those type of scenes? I think it's kind of a throwback to these these 80s days. Ferris Bueller talking to the camera, you know, things like that, just not insulting the intelligence of the audience you know what i mean yeah yeah 
Yeah, I, I have zero fucking problems with it. Matter of fact, I, I, I find it very comical. Yeah, I, I actually missed it. Yeah. Yeah, they really should do stuff like that more. But they just don't. They just don't. It's just not the way comedies are made anymore. So, not much you can do. You know? But, uh, again, this is one of those movies where... These the racist jokes in this movie would never make it today. Um, like I you, said before, you, there's you, one. You gotta be kidding me! Uh, yeah, there's one part in the scene where they're 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 told to comb the desert, and they're actually combing the desert. Of course, they go to one scene where they show an uh, a pic. Yeah, <laughs> and of course, it's the usual. You know, token black guy in there. We ain't found shit. <laughs> uh, but they do get saved. Uh, you know, because they're in the desert. They're 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 you know running through the desert, and they get saved by these. I guess you could call them Ewok type characters, but they're basically like Ewok slash Wizard of Oz type characters. Yeah. 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 Um, and you know, let me see if I can hold on a second here. Where am I? And they end up in yogurts. Yes, I said yogurt, not Yoda. In a basically yogurts cavern, and again, this has another sort of Wizard of Oz theme where they're all walking in and you know, shaking and scared. Ah, oh, fuck it. Here we go. Let me know how it turns out. Come back here, Dot. Come on, we gotta keep going. Thank you. What's gonna happen now? Don't ask. Maybe it won't. Well, what if it does? I don't know about you, but I'm all for leaving. I think we get out of here right oh, now. Oh, good. Wow! Silence! Who dares enter the sacred and awesome presence of the everlasting know-it-all? Yogurt. Yogurt. You're right of me. Heard of you? Who hasn't heard of yogurt? Yogurt the wise. Yogurt the all-powerful. Yogurt the magnificent. Please, please, don't make a fuss. I'm just plain yogurt. Oh, so they finally meet yogurt, which, as I said before, is sort of a play on Yoda. Um, and uh, he starts teaching Lone Star about the Schwartz. Ah. Uh, now, Lone Star also has this necklace around his neck that's another mystery in the movie that doesn't play out till the end, but he's never been able to understand what it says. Now, he realizes Yoda, yogurt, god damn it, I called him Yoda, yogurt does understand, and uh, does eventually go and tell him what it means, but not till the end of the movie. Uh, now, another funny move, part in this movie that I didn't mention was George Lucas said they couldn't do any merchandising. At all. And when asked what they do, 
there. Well, I'll play it. What is it that you do here? Merchandising. Merchandising? What's that? Merchandising. Come, I'll show you. Open up this door. <laughs> Come, walk this way. Take a look. We put the picture's name on everything. Merchandising, merchandising. Where the real money from the movie is made. Space Falls the T-shirt. Space Falls the coloring book. Space Falls the lunchbox. Space Falls the breakfast cereal. Space Falls the flamethrower. <laughs> the kids love this one. Last but not least, Space Falls the doll. Me. May the Schwartz be with you. Now, obviously, the scene was done as kind of a little dig, a little dig that they couldn't, um, you know, <clears throat> they couldn't do any merchandising, and they never did. But uh, you know, you immediately cut to the next scene, and President Scroob is in there with two really sexy twins, and he has Spaceballs bed sheets on his bed. Uh, you know, just a movie making fun of itself. In the yeah. movie, how great is that? <laughs> so, but I guess to use like a uh, wrestling term here, uh, Mel Brooks decided to bury George Lucas a little bit with that little scene, like a little tongue-in-cheek fun. A tongue-in-cheek fun, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if he really, and you know what, this, the, the uh, yeah, he did. Um, and you know what, I guess real quick, back to the scene that I was talking about with the. Uh, the little racist comment in it. Mel Brooks always has a little racism in his movies. He grew uh, up in a different time. Well, it, well that a, but I mean, he, you know, kind of like where Quentin Tarantino may might have taken it from, but always has some racism. And I uh, here's that part that I was talking about, sir. What? Are we being too literal? And again, they were told to comb the desert. No, you fool. We're following orders. We were told to comb the desert, so we're combing it. Found anything yet? Nothing yet, sir. How about you? Not a thing, sir. What about you guys? We ain't found shit. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, and again, that was a pick there, and just another Mel Brooks funny part in the movie that would be taken so wrong in 2017. Yeah. Um, now again, uh, Yogurt is teaching the sh the 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 ways of the Schwartz to Lone Star in this movie. Um, I mean, you know, it kind of goes back to the part in Star Wars where. Luke is lifting his ship out of the the muck, wherever that is. I I'm not a huge Star Wars nerd, so yeah, me neither. I mean, but like I said, this is one of those I appreciate Spaceball because it, it almost kind of like the people that are into Star Wars. I don't know if you ever come across those people. I've mm -hmm. been to a few Comic Cons over the years, and yeah. those people take that shit way, way, way. You think wrestling fans take shit seriously? Oof. You have not. You have not seen serious until you met a Star Wars fan. Star Wars, Star Trek, both of them are really serious about their shit, dude. You got to be careful. 
Um, but yeah, you know, he's teaching him to Schwartz, and in this part, he's trying, he's lifting a statue, uh, you know, and ends up landing on John Candy's foot. Just another hilarious part. John Candy, again, amazing. Um, one of the did you knows is that he improved a ton of scenes in this movie, and Mel Brooks left him in because they were funnier than what he had done. Yeah, that's genius. Yeah, folks. I mean, and honestly, that you gotta you gotta figure coming from somebody like Mel Brooks, who I'm pretty sure, obviously he understands comedy and Mel has like a good ear for what's funny. The fact that he kind of you know say, hey, I, I'll 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 go with this guy's instinct. That says a lot about what he thought of John Candy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, dude. John Candy must have been really. I mean, from what we've read and seen and. The fact that so many directors just let him improv lines, and he must have been so respected. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, I I never met the man personally, so I can't really speak to his character as a human being. But he, he, just from his movies, he just comes across a very likable guy. Well, I mean, like knowing all the lines he did in Home Alone or improv, not one line was written for that guy. And go back and watch Home Alone, and you'd be like. You know, it takes a certain guy to be able to come up with things like that, but it also takes a, a, a you know a heart to be able to come up with what he did. So, obviously, just a really good guy at heart. You know, just from what you saw on camera and from, like I said, just what we've read, what we've seen. Directors just let him have complete, you know, complete control yeah. of what he wants to do. That's that's not something you hear about people anymore. I mean, you hear that maybe about like a, a, you know, nowadays maybe like a Tom Cruise or something, but yeah, somebody that has like a track record. Because and if because if you really kind of look at John Candy's like his uh, career, I mean, I personally like his movies. Box likes his movies, but he never really had like a lot of breakout hits in terms of like movies that he starred in, starring vehicles. Um. I mean, I mean, like he had like a hand. You can count like a handful of them: planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, yeah. Uncle Buck, to a point. Summer Rental was a John Candy movie. Uh, Who's Harry Crumb was a John Candy. He had a few, but I'll be honest: the ones where he was a starring role didn't do well. Yeah, like yeah, he yeah he was like uh, the steal a line from a uh, fucking uh, Beyond the Mat. He was a uh, he was a uh, he was best as Dan Denzel's best friend, but not Denzel. Yeah, well, for whatever reason, like I said, like he all he would come in and steal a scene, but if you put him like in the like in a lead role, it wouldn't do gangbusters at the uh, box office. No, no, no. And again, what does saying? They uh, again, a lot of the comedies he was in that he starred in were a little ridiculous. I think Summer Rental was probably one of the best. That, I love I love I love that fucking yeah, movie. Yeah, when you talk about obscure, that that that's pretty obscure. That that movie doesn't get enough play at all. It doesn't, but it it it's it's a standalone John Candy. But you know, you're right. You go back to um oh, what am I thinking? The movie um Great Outdoors. Yeah. It's him and Dan Aykroyd, and it's great. Um it plays Another fucking uh, he wasn't the star, but National Lampoon's Vacation, the original one. Right. Everybody remembers fucking John Candy's part with that. Absolutely. I mean, just him and Chevy Chase going back and forth was hilarious. Yeah, the security guard at, at Wally yeah. World. 
Um, you know, and you mentioned planes, trains, and automobiles. Obviously, that movie will always hold a special place for me. I don't know why. It's just one of my favorites. Just such a well-done movie. I don't know. I, I just absolutely adore and love that movie. So, you know, but um, how many... Uh, but, I mean, like... But they, you know, when they did really try to showcase him... They would put him in a movie like Who's Harry Crumb? Have you ever seen that movie? Uh, I've seen like bits and pieces. I can't honestly say I actually sat down and really watched it like I should. But it, it, it's just like they would, yeah, like you said, they would put him in like these ridiculous roles. Like, let's see what he, you know, he's good at. And I think you know what it was. I don't think it was a situation where they were trying to shit on the guy. I think they were like, this guy is good at improv, improv, you know, improvisation and doing that mm-hmm. type of thing. Like, we can give him the most ridiculous concept and he'll make it work. The problem is some of the concepts will be so far out there. It's like, yeah, this is not what we want to see from John Candy. Yeah, I mean, probably his most known biggest main role is Uncle Buck. Yes. I mean, that movie was more of a John Candy movie than any, you know, probably more of a successful John Candy movie than any movie out there. I mean, you know... You go way back in his career, and you know you you do get some weird things, but you know. But he was in a lot. Jesus Christ, back from nineteen seventies. But uh, you know, Saturday Night Live. Obviously, he was in. Anthony mentioned Vacation, Splash. Yes, great movie. We will end up doing that movie because that's just that's another great movie. Uh, I mean, to me, the, the 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 best way to show, and I'm not a director, we're not directors, but to me, the best way to showcase John Candy is uh, you just look at fucking, you just look at uh, Uncle Buck, and you look at planes, trains, and automobile. You 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 add that humor with a, with a uh, dose of heart. That was the way to fucking portray the guy, not fucking putting him in like a whatever. What was it? What what is it? A bear costume or in a. Who's Harry Crumb? Wasn't he dressed as something ridiculous? Oh, he did all. Well, he was a he was a private eye in that movie, so he did yeah. all kinds of costumes and yeah, yeah, he did all. But I mean, you know, I mean, he was in movies like you know, Only uh, the Lonely. I remember Only the Lonely, which was another decently six, but that was another John Hughes movie. Um, John Hughes, anything John Hughes was tied to with John Candy was successful, but. You know, John Candy after Uncle Buck and Home Alone just kind of s- sort of did those little back, you know, back like he was in JFK after that. Wasn't a huge role for him. Um, you know, he was in Rookie of the Year. That, that yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, Cool Runnings, but wasn't a big part. And then you know he was you know obviously 1994 I believe was the year he passed. And you know we saw him in Canadian Bacon, his last movie. Yeah, that that was uh, interesting. Yeah. Seeing John Candy with the full beard. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, just I mean, we've uh, again we've talked about John Candy, but absolutely love the guy. Obviously, was well respected. Just uh, again, from what we've read, never met, never got a you know, a, never had the pleasure to meet the man, but. Obviously, from what we've read and what, like I said, just from what people let the man improv, 
yeah. you're you, you got to realize something. You're risking a multi-million dollar movie and letting a guy improv. Yes. Like think about reality TV right now today. Yeah. Think about how much is really improved on reality TV. I would say I would say if I said 30% of it's real, I'd be overstating myself. Yeah, and, and, and what people have to realize is movies and, you know, people talk about overscripting and wrestling. There, people, There's a lot of fucking money involved in these, exactly. in these productions. So you everything has to be on point. So if you let somebody improv, then you're you tr- you're trusting their judgment, and they're just good at what the fuck they do. You're putting Although, a- otherwise it, it it throws off the script, it throws mm-hmm. off you know tape, and you're wasting time. You're wasting you're wasting tape. Yeah. Everybody that's there from the uh, the actors to the guy that sweeps the fucking floors yeah. has to get paid that day. You yeah, are a putting, lot of money's on the line. Yeah, you're putting everyone at risk, which is why these reality shows are scripted. No matter what anyone thinks, you can think, oh, oh, these fucking reality shows are real, whatever. You, you're, really, if you think that, you should be a wrestling fan. Um, Yeah, these reality shows are all scripted, just like anything else. They are not going to risk millions of dollars on people saying whatever the fuck they want. You know when that shit flies? When you're on MTV. Yes. And you're honestly, and honestly, I think that probably was the last legit. Mm-hmm. And I hate to put it, I hate, I hate to get a show credit. The last legit uh, reality show of the modern era was mm-hmm. probably Jersey Shore. At least, like I would say, like the first one or two years. Then they started to rein that shit in. But if you look like, if you look at like the first couple years of that mm-hmm. show, yeah, that was. Uh, they were letting them kids go out there and just fucking. <laughs> Do whatever the fuck they wanted. Then they say, "Yeah, it's getting out of control a little yeah, bit." Yeah, I, I really think they started reining him in when they when when they let him go to Italy. Yeah. After that season, they were kind of like, mm, "This is here. Yeah, we got to rein this shit in a little bit." These guys are gonna get shot. <laughs> I mean, this is a little weird. So yeah, yeah, I really do. But you know, <laughs> the, the the but again, the fact just to you know wrap this little segment up the fact that they let John Candy roll with pretty much whatever he wanted to say really shows a lot of respect especially in the movie industry in my opinion yeah and, and plus that you know it, it's nothing improv but it's another thing to be able to improv but yet tie it into the, the, the general concept of what the director is going for mm-hmm. so yeah he improv but he also made it work because if you look at you know you know just to get back to the movie real quick. Uh, if you look at his little scene in Home Alone, he was the poker king. Mm-hmm. Like they, that literally had nothing to do with the plot of the movie, but he made it work. And, and, and like within like five, within like two minutes, he made it like fit into the context of what they're going for in the movie. And it was like, wow, this man is a fucking genius. And you know, I don't know how he pulled it off, but he made it fucking fit into the exactly. context of the movie. And and yeah, I mean, he's uncredited in that movie. He Which has a lot of me. movies. Like, wow, like he basically just did him a solid. There's a lot of movies he's in that he's uncredited, which again speaks to John Candy's niceness. You know, oh, I'll 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 do a voice. I'll do you a solid. Do... I'll, you know, I'll come in for a day or a couple mm-hmm. hours and do something for you. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. So just, you know, uh, obviously an amazing guy. Really wish he was still around. I really think he'd still be doing movies today. So, um, all right, back to this movie. Yes. Uh, We're almost done with this movie anyway. Yeah, they're at Yogurt's. They're combing the desert looking for these people. They do find them. And Dark Helmet finds a sneaky way to sneak out. Uh, Princess Vespa is by using the Schwartz. So, you know, uh, give me a second. I'll play it. Here we go. Vespa, Vespa, my child. Where are you? Daddy? Vesper, it's your father, King Bolin. Come to me. Daddy, I hear you. I hear you. Where are you? Follow my voice. Come to me. Come to me. Vesper, where are you going? Vesper, come to me. Daddy, is it really you? Yes, my dear. I guarantee it. Would I lie? Daddy! Oh, no, Vesper, don't! Vesper! Ah! No! Fool oh. you! Obviously, that fooled you is another line that I use every now and then on on the uh, the wrestling podcast. Uh, another great line that I've always liked, but uh, they do end up getting Vespa, and they do they take her, and um, obviously they need to get her back. Now, you know, we cut a few scenes. They're wondering how to get her back. And uh, Lone Star leaves to go get her back, which is obviously what they were, you know, wanting to do. We got to another scene where Dark Helmet is alone in his room and he's playing with dolls, obviously dolls from the movie. Um, This was another part in the movie not scripted but thought of the morning of that movie, of this scene, and Rick Moranis came in, no lines, just a really kind of quick, um, you know, like almost like a promo. Basically, he had bullet points where Mel Brooks wanted to go, threw it out there, and made the scene incredible. Uh, I'll go ahead and go Fuck it, I'm going to play it. To have my way with you, the way I want to. No, no, please, leave me alone. No, you are mine. Not so fast, Helmet. Lone Star. Yes, it's me. I'm here to save my girlfriend. Hi, honey. Now you are going to die. Oh, oh, oh. Hey, what you doing to my friend? The same thing I'm going to do to you, big boy. Oh, oh, and you too. Oh, oh. Now, Princess Vespa, at last we are alone. Oh, no, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, leave me alone. Yet, 
I find you strangely attractive. Of course you do. Druish princesses are often attracted to money and power, and I have both, and you know it. Oh, leave me alone. No, kiss me. No, no, yes, no, no, yes, no, yes. Oh, 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 your helmet is so big. Lord Helmet, what? You need it on the bridge, sir. Knock on my door. Knock next time. Yes, sir. Did you see anything? No, sir. I didn't see you playing with your dolls again. Good. There you go. That whole scene had no script. It was simply Rick Moranis being Rick Moranis and having some fun with it. Uh, we then cut to the next scene where, again, merchandising Spaceballs toilet paper is being used. Uh, again, making a joke of the fact that uh, George Lucas said they couldn't merchandise. Instead, what they did, obviously, is just flood this movie with merchandising so they went ahead and did that uh you know and it, like i said the future president scroob gets a call on the screen ends up being needed and um they do finally have princess and they have no other way but to threaten threaten fuck. you say threaten fuck it let's play it her old nose Threaten the prince in order to give him the code to open the seal in order to get them the air. They threaten the prince, the king, and here we go. Fiend! What's going on? What are you doing to my daughter? Permit me to introduce the brilliant young plastic surgeon, Dr. Philip Schlotkin. The greatest nose job man in the entire universe and Beverly Hills. Your Highness. Nose job? I don't understand. She's already had a nose job. It was a sweet 16 present. No, it's not what you think. It's much, much worse. If you do not give me the combination to the air shield, Dr. Schlotkin will give your daughter back her old nose. No! Where did you get that? All right, I'll tell. I'll tell. No, Daddy, no, you mustn't. You're right, my dear. I'll miss your new nose. But I will not tell on the combination no matter what. Very well. Dr. Schlotkin, do your worst. My pleasure. <laughs> no! Wait, wait. I'll tell. I'll tell. I knew it would work. All right, give it to me. The combination is... One. 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 Two. 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 Three. 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 Four. 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 Five. 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 So the combination is one, two, three, four, five. That's the stupidest combination I ever heard in my life. That's the kind of thing an idiot would have on his luggage. Thank you, Your Highness. What did you do? Uh, I turned off the wall. Uh, Wait, didn't you turn off the whole movie? I must have pressed the wrong button. Well, put it back on. Put the yes, movie sir. Back yes, on. sir. Oh. You gotta get that thing fixed. We're back, and we have the combination. Slot it. What? We're done with you. Go back to the golf course and work on your putts. Let's go, Arnold. 
another part where obviously they made fun of the movie being a movie, which again I have zero. As a matter of fact, I think it's funny. I like you said before. I wish they would do it more. I really wish they would do things like this more. Just make the movie a part of the movie. You know, nowadays okay, it's all explosions and serious and I don't know. We need more comedies today. We need more loaded weapon ones. <laughs> Remember that one? Oh god. I don't know if we need that, but uh hey, that was hey, hey, hey. that was that was fucking hilarious. I don't care what nobody says. Yeah. Yeah, that was actually a fucking funny ass movie. Um they... I'm pissed that we didn't get the sequel. It was actually supposed to be a sequel today. I know. Um, now they do end up uh, getting there, saving the princess. They go in. They do a whole kind of a parody action scene, lasers and guns and all kinds of things. Again, it's more visual. I really probably can't bring it to justice by playing it. But uh, they do go in. They end up saving the princess of course they do. It's a fucking movie. Um, now, one funny scene, though, is when they're they're going through, they're running, they run through, and uh, they think they've got them, but it turns out to be their stunt doubles. So, I, I again, another scene I couldn't even do justice with by playing, but... But, you know what? Screw it. I will anyway. What the hell? Give me a sec here. Don't move yet, Dan! Stand up! Captain! We've got them! Spectacular stunt, my friends. But all for naught. Turn around, please. Ah, what a pity. What a pity. So, Princess, you thought you could outwit the Imperious Force of... You idiots! These are not them! You've captured their stunt doubles! Search the area! Find them! Find them! Alright, and they do find them. Uh, they end up, you know, uh, a, a great scene in this movie. The Princess Vespa, they shoot her hair. And, um, here, fuck it. My hair! You shot my hair! Son of a bitch! Holy shit! How is that? Not bad. Not bad for a girl. Hey, that was pretty good for Rambo. Let's blow this joint. That might have been the sexiest scene in the movie. Yes. Mm. Mm. Ooh, man. That, that's another thing, like, you know, that's uh missing in movies nowadays. I don't know if they should go this far, but remember how back in, like, the, you know, as far back as the 70s, Rated PG movies still have fucking nudity in them. Mm-hmm. Like they had P like PG 
parental guidance really meant parental guidance back then. Like now, PG means like, oh, we're going to say hell. Make sure the kiddies don't hear that. But way, way back in the day, like PG, PG-13, they really pushed the bounds of what those ratings really meant. If you really look at a lot of movies from back way back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, they did. And it's, again, it's just... Different era. Different era, different time. I hate to say different people, but I don't know what the fuck we've grown into. But that's a conversation for another day. Um, now, they do end up uh, getting the air from Planet Druidia. They actually end up turning the ship into a maid with a vacuum and sucking the air out of Planet Druidia. Um, again, another scene that you just can't... But here, fuck it. Suck! 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 And it is sucking... Everything from snow to trees, every air, oxygen product they can find. Um, you know, the, the the king is saying goodbye to his daughter. He thinks he's going to die. So, you know, but uh, obviously they have ter literally turned their ship, though, into a robo-maid. But uh, Lone Star is there. And remember... Lone Star has the Schwartz. So, fuck it. I'm playing another scene. ...the vacuum and blow the air back onto the planet. Step two, we destroy that thing. But isn't that dangerous? Extremely. Plus, I don't know how the hell we're gonna do it. What about that ring yogurt gave you? Oh, yeah. But... Come on, boss. Give it a shot. Okay. Here goes nothing. Okay, so he uses the ring. Uh, he reverses the switch with the ring. Uh, again, using the Schwartz. Not the Force, but the Schwartz. Uh, reverses it. It ends up blowing all the air back on to planet Druidia. And they do go down and basically in the ear of the Spaceball ship... And this is where he, he, Lone Star goes down there and he's trying to use the Vulcan death grip. Again, they even, you know, kind of parody Star Trek in this movie. And fuck it. Again, another part I'm going to play. What the hell are you doing? The Vulcan neck bench? Oh, no, no, stupid. You got it much too high. It's down here where the shoulder meets the neck. Like this? Yeah. Thanks. There you go. So he goes in after that. Um, he's trying to blow up the ship. And, of course, Dark Helmet walks in. And, goddamn, I, I might just have to play most of this scene. 
Uh, one Stark Helmet walks in. Lone Star Helmet. So, at last we meet for the first time, for the last time. Yeah. Before you die, there is something you should know about us, Lone Star. What? I am your father's, brother's, nephew's, cousin's former roommate. What's that make us? Absolutely nothing! Which is what you are about to become. Prepare to die. And they end up in a parody type fight with Schwartz Sabres. Yes. Yes. And of course... Not quite on the level of uh, the famous scene from... Uh, what was that fucking movie? Star Wars. They Live. Ah, They Live. But uh, Keith David and Roddy Piper. <laughs> another... That was epic, epic fucking fight scene. Yeah, exactly. But another great line in this movie when they do uh, open up the Schwartzes. Uh, Rick, hold on a sec. Again... I can't even fucking do it justice. Here. Prepare to die. You have the ring. And I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. Now let's see how well you handle it. (laughs) I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. (laughs) <laughs> another just like I said another excellent line from the movie uh, they go into a little fight you know again just one of those things but uh, let me see here another and then finally Lone Star kind of gets him against a wall and here we go so Lone Star Yogurt has taught you well if there's one thing I despise, it is a fair fight. But if I must, then I must. May the best man win. Put her there. The ring! I can't believe you fell for the oldest trick in the book! What a goof! What's with you, man? Come on! You know what? Here, let me give it back to you. Oh! Oh, look at that! You fell for that, too! I can't believe it, man. My my sister's friends quoted that part a hundred times a night when they had a party. Nice. They really did. That's just another great party. Takes the ring. And I can't believe you fell for that, man. And then he tries to give it back. Just a, 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 a fucking classic part in the goddamn movie. But, you know, Lone Star, you know, he's making all these moves using the the Schwartz and uh, does end up beating Lone Star, getting out of there. And uh, they actually end up, he hits the self-destruct and they do end up having to leave the ship. And I mean, this is pretty much the end of the movie right here. Uh, everyone is leaving the ship from circus bears to the guy playing percussion to everyone. But uh, President Scrooge and Colonel Sanders, 
basically gets stuck on the ship uh, with Dark Helmet, and they end up uh, basically plummeting to Earth after the ship self-destructs. You know, and after that, they not only parody Star Wars in this movie, but they parody Aliens. Um, Lone Star ends up bringing Princess Vespa back to her father, and uh, they parody Aliens in a part where these guys go to a little restaurant, a diner-type place, and um, John Hurt has a part in this movie who was in Aliens and did the exact same part in Aliens, uh, where the, the, the creature comes out of his stomach, except in this movie, the creature comes out of his stomach and starts dancing. And doing the old, uh, if you remember the old cartoons, here. Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime gal. Send me a kiss by wire. Baby, my heart's on fire. If you refuse me, honey, you lose me. Then you'll be left alone, oh, baby. And tell me I'm your own. Check, please. There you go. Alien comes out, does a little uh, old school cartoon dance. And, uh, you know, they get scared. But in the meantime, Princess Vespa is about to marry Prince Valium again. Yes. Oh, who cares about that? But uh, yogurt appears from the, you know, from the uh, something that he had given him before. Yogurt appears and tells Lone Star this. I still can't believe you turned down the money. At least we could have stayed for the wedding feast. I'm starving. Have you got anything to eat? Oh, wait a minute. Yogurt gave me that fortune cookie. Here, chow down. Wow, thanks. I'll split it with you. No. Okay. Yogurt! Hello, boys. Well, you opened your fortune cookie, so here's your fortune. Lone Star, you know that medallion that you wear around your neck, but you don't know what it means? Well, here's what it means. It's a royal birth certificate. Yes, your father was a king. Your mother was a queen. Which makes you a certified prince. Hey, I'm a prince. I'm a prince. Which means... Which means if you hurry, there could be a princess in your future. Now, if you want to get back there before she marries Sleeping Beauty, there's a special can of fuel in your glove compartment. Good luck, boys. Bye, yogurt. And yogurt. Thanks. You're welcome. And may the Schwartz be with you. What a world, what a world. Open that glove compartment. You got it, Your Highness. All right, what it is is a can of liquid Schwartz, which he throws in the gas tank, which I've never seen. uh, Well, the emergency fuel, which is in the front, throws it in there, goes back, 
And, uh, you know, as he's going back, the uh, Scroob, Dark Helmet, and uh, Colonel Sanders land on a planet which turns out to be Planet of the Apes. And, you know, they basically get a whole new, you know, uh, little thing there where the, uh, the the apes come down. And again, they, they, they parody Planet of the Apes here. And they're like, oh, shit. Yeah, they waited for the now. end to kind of get in a few more little digs in, in uh, other uh, other movies. Yeah, here, fuck it. Dear me, what are those things coming out of her nose? Hey, hey, watch my helmet. Ah, 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 ah. Oh, uh, space balls? Oh, shit. There goes the planet. <laughs> uh, now, while that's happening, she, uh, Princess Vespa is about to marry Prince Valium until, of course... Prince, and I say Prince Lone Star comes down and uh, kind of, oh, fuck it, let's just fucking play it. Who the hell are you? Prince Lone Star. Prince? I just found out. That's what this says. I'm an honest to God prince. Will you marry me? Well, let me think about it. Yes. I'm sick of this. I don't give a damn who it is, but I'm going to marry somebody today. Who are you? I'm the best man. What's your name? Barf. Your full name? Bartholomew. Are you the one that's getting married? No. Then get over there. Okay, here we go. The short, short version. Do you? Yes. Do you? Yes. Good. You're married. Kiss her. <laughs> I love you. I love you. There you go. So he he gets the girl. Everything is good. And that's pretty much the movie. Yeah. Yep. Happy ending for all. Yeah, which is a little fucking weird because basically if this is a Star Wars parody, Leia is his sister. But anyway. Um, never that, let the facts get in the way of a good never, story. Never let the facts get in the way of a good fucking comedy. Uh <laughs> Um, I guess a few more uh, did you know type things Um, the Millennium Falcon from Star Wars does make a cameo appearance in this movie Uh, given a close look at the exterior shot of the space diner it is actually spotted parked near the other space vehicles George Lucas got a chance to read the script and allowed him to do a few uh, liberties, and that was one of them right there. Um, let's see here. Every time, I, I mentioned this before, every time Dark Helmet has his face covered, his voice is lower. Uh, this was Rick Moranis' idea. Uh, a lot of these Did You Knows come from the... Um, 
uh, movie, the DVD version of this movie where they have the um, <clears throat> uh, director's commentary. Uh, and I did mention earlier, according to Mel Brooks, this movie was one of the most expensive movies he ever made yeah. at $25 million total. Dracula Dead and Loving It, close second at $22 million. Uh, and the now the producers only cost him a million to produce back in the 1960s. Wow, that's insane. Cause you got to figure, like, this movie came out in 1987. Yeah, twenty two million. My God, by eighty standards, That's if you lot. had that kind of money, you were uh, you were living well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the barf costume was actually operated by three people. John Candy operated the tail by using a hidden control in the paw, while two assistants operated one ear each. Nice, nice. Also was powered by a 30-pound battery he wore on his back. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of weight to be carrying in the back through a whole fucking movie. A lot of fucking movie. Uh, the scene where the Mega Maid sucks the atmosphere off the Druidian Mountain is a parody of the Paramount Studios logo. Ah. Uh. Which is obviously kind of like a um, Statue of Liberty type logo. Yeah. So, uh, and again, I mentioned that song is a Looney Tunes song that comes out of the John Hurt's uh, chest and starts singing the song. That is a Looney Tunes song. Uh, only There's actually a ton more of these, but a lot of them are just sort of not... Good. Um, when well, President right, when President Screw meets the the twins that I said he was in the bed with, uh, he tells them to go chew their gum. That was a reference to the Double Mint commercials featuring those two girls. Those were actually the original Double Mint twins. Ah, oh, that was clever. That was actually a clever one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it actually was. Um. The box for Spaceballs the cereal, if you look at it, actually says it contains 100% sugar. <laughs> uh, this script only took Mel Brooks six months to write. Wow. Yep. Yep. Took um, Steve Martin was the original choice for Colonel Sanders in this movie. That would have been interesting. Uh, might not have made a huge difference in the movie. But um, definitely would have made some sort of fucking difference. Steve Martin is Steve Martin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it would have made a little bit of a difference. Uh, Mel Brooks tried to get either Tom Cruise or Tom, wow. or Tom Hanks for the role of Lone Star. They ended up both turning the role down, which is when he got Bill Pullman to play the role. So, again, this could have been another one of the, you know, hit Hollywood movies for those two. But, um, you know, uh, at the end of the opening scroll, remember I said there was a scroll at the end? Yeah. It says, if you can read this, you don't need glasses. <laughs> so, funny. if you read it, feel good about yourself. Uh, um, let's see... 
That's really about it. The only thing I have is at a little after 13 minutes, Joan Rivers does uh, say her famous line, Can We Talk? So, you know, that was in there. But uh, that's really about the only really interesting ones I got there. The All the other ones are sort of... Uh, like Yeah, like like obscure and just like, and like you got to be a hard, hardcore uh, movie person to even care. Yeah, it's not even worth it. But uh, that's it. That's really our fucking movie right there, man. That is it. I got a quick question for you, Mm -hmm. Mark. That we mentioned earlier how it was kind of disgusting, you know, the uh, giant slice of pizza, talking pizza. Yeah. Now, you saw Dogma, right? Right. Now, what would you say is more disgusting? The giant talking piece of pizza or the giant talking piece of shit? Because I've only watched Dogma a handful of times. Mm -hmm. And a part of it, I mean, and I love Kevin Smith and uh, Jay, you know, I love Jay and Silent Bob. I love those movies. But for some reason, that talking piece of shit turned me off from that movie. And it's a good movie, but for some reason, whenever it's on, I actually had a DVD of it somewhere in the house. Mm-hmm. I just can't bring my... Because that, that uh, shit talker literally just turned me off from the movie. I always thought the pizza was worse because the guy was eating off of them. You think that... So you think, like, in, in terms of, like, disgusting, you think that was worse? That made it worse to me. Um... To me, it did, yeah. Real quick before we, uh, before the end of the show, um, found this little website here, metalfloss.com. 14 things you might not know about Spaceballs. This was not the first, uh, Star Wars parody film. There was actually one in 19, uh, like 1978 called, um, Hard World Wars, which was a parody of Star Wars. Uh, Brooks, Mel Brooks, number two, Mel Brooks originally wanted to call this movie Planet Moron, but, <laughs> but due to a film called Morons from Outer Space, he did not want to use it. Uh, again, I mentioned George Lucas did give his conditional blessing. The condition was no merchandise. Uh, most of this movie was actually shot over a giant swimming pool. Uh, Michael Winslow from Police Academy said in a 2012 interview that most of the movie was shot at the MGM in Culver City, California in the heyday where movies focused on swimmers like Esther Williams. The studio constructed a giant pool that could be covered with a retractable flooring that they used. um, This movie also was shot and the same soundstage as Wizard of Oz. And occasionally the crew would see pieces of the Yellow Brick Road when walking around the the, uh, the set. Uh, again, I mentioned Bill Pullman was the third choice. Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks were the first two. Uh, the crew thought green screen work would damage their eyes. Oh, wow. Yep. Uh, Mel Brooks actually had a really bad reaction to to the makeup, the gold makeup used for yogurt. They had to shoot it out of sequence because of some rashes that he was getting because of it. Uh, Dot Matrix was actually a famous mime. That's where he got the idea to use this from, from the 1970s, uh, a 1970s skit from a variety show that he saw. 
the wow. the guy playing Pizza the Hut actually refused to come back to the set after shooting his scene. <laughs> Guess they had more plans for him, but this is where they used him. Um, they said Barf's ears, which again were used by two actors, were actually upstaged because they were used so well. Lucas, act, uh, number 11, George Lucas actually loved this movie, thought it was actually excellent and uh, said, uh, you know, basically said it was a great parody of his movie. Um, R.L. Stein wrote, a, wrote the novel to this movie. The animated spoof, uh, series actually spoofed a prequel to this movie. And uh, Rick Moranis was offered a sequel later to this movie and uh, turned it down, which is why the sequel's always been on hold. Wow. Yeah, I mean, because you figure, I don't know, you think considering the first one wasn't that much of a hit, or at least what they were expecting it to be, mm-hmm. you think if they had came out with a sequel, it would have did better through like word of mouth and buzz? Right. You think it would have did better? I don't know if it would have done one part about what the original did. It would have done better now, just because of the you know the the economy. I think if a Spaceballs two comes out, dude, it's gonna fucking do amazing for Mel Brooks and his family. Obviously, he's not gonna be able to spend much of it, but his family, <laughs> his family, dude, he's ninety years old. Come on. His family would do great by it because this movie would make a ton of fucking money. How many parents haven't showed their kid this fucking movie? Come on, dude. Well, to be fair, I I, I pretty much think that Mel Brooks' family's been eating well for a long time at this point. Yeah, yeah, you got a point. But uh, this movie would just, you know, cement it. But, um, you know, besides this movie being, again, one of the uh, hilarious epic movies of the 80s, I got nothing better to say about it than that. Yeah, it's one of those movies that when you... I don't know, maybe one week we'll do like the quintessential movies from the 80s, which is like, if you look at the movies that came out in the 80s, man, this is one of those movies that you think of. Mm-hmm. There's certain movies from that decade, from every decade that you think of, and when I think of the 80s, you think of Spaceballs, you think of Porky's, you think of Revenge of the Nerves, you think mm-hmm. of Police Academy, the original Die Hard, the original Lethal What, Coming to America, 48, I mean, Eddie Murphy fucking dominated in the fucking 80s. I mean, so many people just dominated, different genres dominated the fucking 80s. Yeah, and you you mentioned a few that we were trying to think of before. You know, Re- Revenge of the Nerds, another shut off your brain and have fun, titty, titty 80s movie. Yes. Just, you know, those movies really <laughs> define the 80s. Yes, and that movie, I- I'm not even ashamed to admit it, that movie made me fall in love with that fucking song, Damn Them. The whole we are the champions because they sing it at the end. Yep. Oh, I love that fucking part. Yeah. The, and after, after that song, like, that song is always stuck in my head. Yeah, <laughs> some of those Revenge of the Nerds movies are great. We'll have to do a couple of those one night because they're really good movies. But um, yeah. on that note, I guess we should uh, let's end this motherfucker, dude. It's getting late. Let's end it on a high note. There you go. Let's do it. Uh, there you go. Don't forget to check out me and Shaheen Wednesday nights right here. THT, uh, pod on Mixler.com slash THT podcast. Uh, check us out group, uh, Facebook.com slash group slash THT podcast. And as usual, you will check out me and Anthony right here. Mixler.com slash THT podcast. Also 
Find all of our podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, uh, YouTube, and anywhere Smith else. Radio, Shout Engine, iHeartRadio. We're everywhere. There you go. Everywhere. Uh, tune in radio. Check us out right there. And uh, there you go. Don't forget to check us out here next week, 11.30 p.m. Eastern. And um, damn. I think that's about fucking it, man. You got anything else, man? Protect your balls. Protect we your out. balls. <laughs> always. Watch your, balls. your balls are sacred. Always protect them, motherfuckers. So there you go. On that note, y'all take it easy. We will see everybody next week. And there you go. Now. Now go home and get your fucking shine box. <laughs>